0: And welcome back to another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome. I'm your host, Shane Told. Like every week, as I take you into the backstage conversations that I have with other lead singers. And we got a great episode this week. This is a long-awaited guest. We talk about how, I think like five years ago, this was discussed. And I'm so glad it's finally happening. Jeff Rickley of Thursday is here. We go way back. We go way deep. Old stories and old memories. And I was smiling. I don't know if you hear it in my voice right now, but I'm smiling right now just thinking about the smiling I did for the hour we spoke. Um, Even after we finished the podcast and we hit stop, We still talked for like another 20 minutes. This guy's awesome. I love all his projects. Thursday's obviously just legendary at this point, but to pick his brain was a real treat, and I can't wait for all y'all to hear this thing. It's a good one. Before we get into that, you know, some show news, some things I want you to be aware of. The first one, real simple. If you want to get in touch with me, you always can. You can send me an email lead singer syndrome at gmail.com i read them all but the big news is that we are taking this podcast onto twitch we've been doing it for a couple months now but it's getting more serious every tuesday 3 p.m eastern standard time i am having a guest live you get to see us on video it's completely free and you can even interact with us in the chat box And those conversations, they will end up here, but it's pretty cool to watch them live. And we've got some great guests coming up next week. We have Andy Sizek. That's going to be a cool guest. We got Kyle from Picturesque the following week. And March 16th, Nothing Nowhere, who just put out a fantastic new record. So Joe will be joining us. Nothing Nowhere himself live on twitch to check that out it is twitch.tv slash shane told real easy go on there give us a follow it's a great platform if you think it's just video games and like nerd stuff you're wrong music is a huge part of twitch now and i am super super excited to be bringing this show on there if you want to support the show check out the patreon too the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club for a couple bucks a month. It gets you in, and it really does help this show keep going as well. The link for that, leadsingersyndrome.com slash access. I want to thank everybody that tuned in to the Silverstein virtual concert series, Out of This World, we called it. There was a bit of an alien thing going on, Uh, spoiler alert. If you missed it, All three episodes are on demand right now. You can watch at your convenience at SilversteinStore.com, but hurry because they're only going to be up until March 1st. That's 2021. If you're listening to this like five years from now Uh, and we're back and we're playing shows, oh my God, it'd be so good. (laughs) You're lucky to be where you are, people of 2025. But if you missed it, SilversteinStore.com gets you in only for a few more days and it's a really fun series so if you like my band be sure to check it out well i know you want to hear this rad conversation that i had with jeff so let's just get right to it and not waste any more time i can't wait for you to hear it too here it is my conversation with jeff rickley of thursday and no Devotion. Yeah, dude, we've been trying to do this for a long time.
1: Yeah, man, it's been like, I feel like since the first year of your podcast, we've been talking about it, right? <laughs> it's,
0: it's true. And, you know, so many requests for you too on the show. Obviously, like a lot of people put our band in the same category because we were on sure. Victory Records for years and and it makes a lot of sense. So, hey, it took five years, but but here we are. And yeah. it's really, really nice to speak with you. You know, it's, it's funny because I, I think the last time I talked to you was honestly like, Maybe Warp Tour 09 I think you guys were on that Jeez. one. Maybe we're on 08 eight. were on 08. Oh, oh yeah. okay, man. Maybe it was even longer ago then. Um, yeah, that's crazy. It is. It is crazy. I remember nerding out with um. It was. It was you and uh, Ben from Armor for Sleep. Okay. And we were in the lunch line on Warp Tour,
1: dude. That lunch line, right? right? It's Like so many <laughs> friendships made and enemy. I feel like enemies have been made on that lunch line too. <laughs>
0: for sure man there's always a little drama in the lunch line but but no like i remember standing behind you guys in line and like i know ben pretty well and just listening to you guys talk about the glory days of uh, new brunswick basement shows and and stuff like that (laughs) was like a weird little canadian dream because you know i grew up (laughs) idolizing new jersey like i you know with lifetime and penfold and the other great bands you know, from, from where you just, I don't know if you took it for granted or you knew it was amazing, but I remember, I remember that moment and just listening to you guys, like being a fly on the wall and just loving that so much.
1: So that's, that's cool, man. That's awesome that you were like digging it and kind of like noticing it. it. It really was a special thing. And I definitely didn't take it for granted. I was like, so when I was a kid, I lived in this is, this is going to be a little inside baseball maybe for, for <laughs> people who aren't from New Jersey or New York, but okay. I was from like Northern New Jersey, which was, I was right across the river from New York city. Yeah. So for me, like when I was a kid, I went to the city to see shows. I went to, you know, I snuck into CBGBs before I was 16 because you had to have a, you had to be 16 to get into CBs. And once they knew you weren't 16, if you didn't have fake ID or mm-hmm, whatever, mm-hmm. um, they like looked out for you and were like kicked you out, you know? So um, I would go there, I'd go to Coney Island High, I'd go to the, the cooler, the, you know, there's all kinds of places you could go, the Grand, the Academy, the Roseland Ballroom, like, there were so many great places in, in New York, you know, so that's what I thought, I thought, like, I'm gonna move to New York someday, and it's gonna be the best thing ever, and then I went to, you know, I moved to New Brunswick, and got exposed to the 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 basement scene before I had a basement. You know, it was like Lifetime had a basement. The Bouncing Souls had a basement. Like, there were a lot of other bands that had basements before I had one. And I was just blown away. You know what I mean? This is right. something so much more tangible than even CBGBs. Like, this wasn't a place where you got kicked out if you were a kid. It was, like, all ages. People weren't drinking. It was very communal. Everybody knew everybody's name. Like, the local bands pulled, like... 80 kids to every basement show. You know what I mean? It was like one of those things where it's just like, and, and like our local bands were like the bouncing souls in lifetime. You know what I mean? It's like, that's insane. (laughs) It is. Um, It
0: is. It is insane. And, And, and I mean, it grew from there and, and what's cool about it is, is how much of a part of that you were. I mean, even I knew you. Like I knew yeah. your name, and I was in Canada because I knew about this kid that you know, because you put shows on in your basement, right? Like, yeah. we, we yeah, knew. we did the last
1: you and I show. Yeah. Sasha's last time in New Jersey was in our basement. Like, yeah. there were a bunch of like pretty legendary shows we did, like Hot Water Music and Leatherface. Like Leatherface from the UK came, and it was like Hot Water Music, Kid Dynamite, Leatherface. That was all one show. You know what I mean? Like we had shows like that where it's just stacked
0: incredible um, incredible well your first the first thursday show was also in your basement right i mean i think yeah. i read midtown saves the day we're on
1: that one midtown is, saves the day the movie i think it was midtown saves the day movie life inside and poison the well when they had two singers right, right. it's incredible So it was like that was one show you know that was yeah. our first show like we we're a lucky band that was our first show right
0: i mean poison the Well coming up all the way from florida too like that's a trip yeah. you know i mean yeah it's it's crazy but but the thing that i think a lot of people these days you know kids don't understand was that shows back then everybody was kind of in it for this greater good like it didn't really matter what band you were in i would be moshing for bands before i played you know and then i would go on stage wearing the clothes that i was wearing that day and there was no rock star mentality at all
1: like not at all so I remember like a typical show for me when we were starting out was like, I'd get home from classes. Um, I'd check to see that like the flyers were still up and maybe I'd go to Kinko's where I had a <laughs> friend working who would like slip me the card, the employee card and let me like do like a hundred free flyers. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: cause I still didn't have like, I didn't go on message boards. Like my roommate luckily did and would put up the show flyer on like angel fire sites. Yeah. But, uh um, I'd go out. I'd go back down to the square. I'd go to the vegan places that we that everybody ate at after shows, and I'd put up some flyers. And it would be like free show, donation at the door. Like just donate to the touring band. You know what I mean? Whoever it is. Um, I'd get home, see if the bands were there yet. Hope they'd start showing up because sometimes like our headliner wouldn't show up till like ten minutes to eleven at night or something. You know, you would I mean? be, like, be like, I don't know if there's a show. Um, so so I'd go do all that, and then. I'd help the band load in. And then I'd like, sometimes if Thursday was playing, I'd make sure my guys were there. We'd set up, we'd play, I'd break it down. I'd talk to people like while the other band was setting up and then I'd stand in front of the stage, like the very, not stage, you know, there's no stages, right, right, I'd stand on in front floor. of the band face to face with the band, like right in the front, just to kind of remind all the locals like, Hey, this band drove seven hours to be here. You know what I mean? They're going to get paid $60 for seven hours of driving. Like, let's make it worth their while. Let's be right here and pay attention. Yeah. And I remember like what you said about like moshing to the band before you played, like, um, I remember there'd be a moment where like a lot of times a friend would put me up to like putting on a band. I didn't know where I would just be wondering what they were like. And I'd be watching like to see the first song and I'd look over at like the three people next to me, you know what I mean? And we'd sort of smile like, yeah, this band rules, you know what I mean? And then it'd like, and then everybody was in, it was like, cause we didn't know were they good. Were they not good? Were they cool? Sure. <laughs> well,
0: well, that's the thing. A lot of times, I mean, again, there was no, there was no way of listening to music, even on like on the internet. You know, I, I remember right. you guys had like an mp3.com thing early on, but even like, bef- but that was all there was. And before that there was nothing. And like, unless someone sent you a tape, literally yeah. a tape, that because that was all there was you would never heard these bands before i remember uh because i i I, i'm from oakville ontario you know just a suburb of toronto and i remember there was i forget who was headlining the show but this band from buffalo was coming up to play it was like their second show ever and they were called buried alive (laughs) and yeah and like seeing that (laughs) <laughs> Having no idea what I what to expect, just like okay, yeah, they're from Buffalo. I guess it's like ex members of Hourglass. Oh, I really liked Hourglass. Um, you Victory, know. Victory represent by the way. Yeah, when yeah. we're talking buried alive, of right. course. This is that I remember when <laughs> Buried Alive signed to Victory, and I was like, what? How? What? This is crazy. Like, but but you know, seeing that and and just the ability for a band to blow your mind like that right there in front of you and you had no idea who they were there's no stage Mm -hmm. there's no like there's a vocal pa that's it you know you're standing behind the drum kit you know like (laughs) not always yes yes in the the vocal pa where where i grew up was was my our band our band PA. I was one of the only kids that had a PA. So, I, awesome. so mine would get borrowed for shows like every weekend. Someone would come by and get it and it'd have a you know a few more dents in the speaker girls and hey, it was what it was. But yeah,
1: that was part of being in a community back then.
0: Exactly. That's that's like yeah. the biggest thing that I, I wanted to talk to you about was that that community aspect because you were such a big part of it. And then it seemed like you guys sort of got thrusted out of that community in a way you know you signed Absolutely. a label like victory which is obviously still an indie label but i mean we've all heard the horror stories now i don't know what it was like <laughs> yeah. when you guys signed um, so oh, yeah that's a really
1: good question yeah, yeah. I, yeah i
0: would love to talk to you about it because i've heard all the stories and everything from you know your contract to the thursday whoopee cushion and, and all that stuff but obviously i have a little bit more of a i have a deeper understanding of it all right being being that i was i was there for four albums with my own band
1: dang four (laughs) yeah we survived we survived (laughs) (laughs) yeah no you i mean you guys thrived you guys survived (laughs) and thrived and like i'm really happy that you guys were able to make such a such a great situation out of it and so like i guess probably i'd go back to like Why we even signed to Victory? You know what I mean. And I think, like looking back, it's easy to be like, "Why would you do that?" But (laughs) at the time, um, you know, we were a New Brunswick band, and there was a New Brunswick band on Victory, uh, a band called, band called Dead Guy. Of course. And Dead Guy to me were like about as cool as you got when you got to be a little like older and a little like better than all the bands that I was playing with. You know what I mean? So I was like, "Whoa." you know, dead guy's label might be interested in us. (laughs) And like, they just signed great. Like the great record hadn't come out yet. And I was like, that's crazy. You know what I mean? They signed great. Like, like that, that EP separate the magnets EP was like a very defining, like, whoa, you know, I think the swarm played our basement or something. Wow. But the great EP was all I could think about was like, they're they're doing something cool. I mean, to jump in
0: for a second, you know, they grew up 10 minutes like we're the same scene great is from yeah. 10 minutes from without grade there's no silverstein 100 percent. they're like my oh, biggest, for sure my biggest influence so and that's probably why we ended up on victory to be honest but no it's true like these bands i mean dead guy so influential without dead guy there's no dillinger escape plan for example
1: for sure yeah Ends like a bunch of other stuff too. You know what I mean? Like,
0: and to your point, I mean, the stuff that victory was putting out was, it was cool. It was cool. It was really cool.
1: Yeah. 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 It was really cool. I mean, they had like a side that was like really tough guy, hardcore, which I like hardcore. So like, that wasn't a turnoff for me. Like, sure. I wanted to do something else. I wasn't a tough guy. I didn't go kick people in the face at tough guy shows, but like, did I like firestorm? Yeah. <laughs> firestorm was awesome. You know what I mean? Like, I loved ink and dagger and I loved that Sean like went to the show and threw yogurt at earth crisis because I thought that was insane. But like, I also really liked earth crisis. You know what I mean? People tend to like, be like you're this or you're like this, you're this or you're like this back then. It was such a small scene. It was like, yeah, sure. Like I'm more on this side, but like, I like it all. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. You know <laughs> For sure. like yeah I want to have the Dillinger escape plan play in the basement but I also want to have Rainer Maria the next week you know exactly Um, exactly so so yeah so we signed to the label and you know speaking of community the first time that I realized maybe I didn't know what I was getting into was so I started going to if any victory band played I would go to their show and introduce myself and say hey we're label mates now, and yeah. I'm really excited because your band's awesome, you know? And, like, anytime you want to show, I do shows in New Brunswick, New Jersey. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yep. and the response that I got was not what I expected. No. Like, it was like, oh, you're fucked. You guys are <laughs> fucked. <laughs> what did you do? Why would you sign to victory? And I was like, wait, <laughs> wait, what? What? <laughs> So that was a little shocking. And I also just kind of was like, but it's probably hazing. Like, I'm not familiar with this. I'm not like a football guy. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I'm not like a jock or whatever. Like, I just don't get their sense of humor, but I remember like Kyle being like, Oh dude, bad, bad idea. I don't know what you're thinking. And I was like, what? You know, and the boys at fire guys just laughed, like laughed and laughed and laughed. Yep. And I didn't even answer. They just thought it was so funny. Um,
0: that's fu- that is funny, and I know <laughs> Kyle and Nathan very well now. You know, yeah. like we're all in our forties now, I guess. And um, I turned forty two days ago, but you know, it's, it is just oh, funny. Happy birthday! Oh, thank you, thank you, man. It's a
1: good one. It's a big one. I was dreading it, and now I was like, man, it was like the best birthday of my life. It, it was, especially.
0: It. Well, my my girlfriend did an incredible job of like putting together something really great for me, considering I can't do anything for my fortieth birthday. We're yeah, we're like on complete lockdown here in Canada, so it was Great. a really yes. good time and i and i'm like two days in and i feel like i've got a little spring in my step which i wasn't expecting so yeah.
1: but anyway we i was up? also Go newly yes. sober which was a big difference for me yeah um at 40 to be you know to be a- celebrating a birthday sober was like really different and um and really good awesome. so it was like a really positive <laughs> birthday but i love it I- i'm psyched that we're both 40 and we're yeah. like you know
0: yeah, it it is, man, and and talking about the old days and and grade and boy sets fire and victory records and let's not get too off track because this is a great little flow we got here, but but yeah, the, and it was the same with Silverstein 2 when we signed and it's a little later down the road so we'd already heard we we went into this knowing, you know, we were we could be fucked but we also didn't really have a lot of options. Grade grade gave them our our CD Charles from grade and. Um,
1: who now makes records with Bruno Mars, which is super weird, but, um, Oh, right. He played, uh, yeah, he put, play, he's played with a bunch of people in between. Right. I remember seeing him and being like on TV shows with like other, other artists and being like, wait a second. Yeah.
0: He, for a while. Well, that's a, just a completely weird story. I'll tell it really quick. Cause it's a good one. So yeah, my friend Charles from grade played drums in grade for a little while. And this was summer of Oh two. And, you know we silverstein we felt like we finally had some our shit together a little bit mm-hmm. and we were gonna send off some some demos so mm-hmm. i randomly talked to charles and he's like hey man um did you just send one to did you send one to victory and i was like yeah we sent one but he's like well I'll, I'll, I'll call them i'll make sure they listen you know listen to it so i was like okay so literally like two days later they call us and want to sign us and the whole process starts mm-hmm. and probably like we have the contract we're about to sign it we're going to go down this this road i get a call from avril Levine's management yeah
1: that's exactly what i was talking yes. about
0: yes and i get a call from from them who and i the only reason they know who i am is because i i was filling in and playing bass for my buddy's band that was kind of more like a, a more mainstream kind of act i was filling mm-hmm. in for, for them so they they call me and and it was so funny they said yeah like you just you really have the right look we're looking for and I was like oh no like that's the worst yeah. thing you could have said to me yeah, like I'm yeah, definitely yeah. not doing it well. now uh, I was probably wasn't anyway but I'm definitely not doing it now and I I just said to Charles I was like hey man I know you don't have a band and you're like the most cool punk guy ever but like hey maybe you could do this and he did and he was in the band for like two years and that got him you know moved to LA and now he's yeah now he's he's got a few Grammys for working with Bruno Mars which is and, and he's doing awesome and I love that guy so incredible it, yeah. it, it is incredible how so many people that are in like the top of mainstream charts and working on this stuff like grew up in the community that we, we talked about at the beginning of the conversation that's, that's well, we such a cool thing actually for too. each other
1: I feel like the community that we came from. It's like you actually do want to look out for people and get them a gig and have like good people around as much as you can in the music industry. Yeah. So like, we tend to like try and and, and help our friends up. Whereas I think there are some other aspects of the industry that can be quite cutthroat. And so like, you do see a lot of like hardcore kids like playing in high levels now. Cause we actually sort of like look out for each other.
0: Exactly. hundred, hundred percent. Okay. So you're going to these shows, everyone's telling yeah. you you're fucked and yeah. you, so you, you, you make, um,
1: we make full collapse. Yeah.
0: And that record, which obviously is a classic now in so many ways. And you deliver this record to the label. Yeah. What was the reaction?
1: Uh, they didn't like it, right? Yeah. They weren't crazy about it. Tony was like, cross out the eyes is Okay. Um, but there's no single and like the only even song that maybe if we edit it we could give to radio or something is like um, is um Standing on the Edge of Summer and we were like well one thing, what does the radio have to do with anything? Like this is yeah. Victory Records you know what I mean? Like we didn't get that they had aspirations to be a much bigger label. We were like, as opposed to what? Like the Hatebreed record is your biggest record you know what I mean? Like what do you mean singles? <laughs> it was wasn't, so it weird, weird.
0: wasn't it weird that they had like three commercial radio people
1: working there? I they don't had, know if they did they, yet. They had a radio they department. Did
0: they they yeah. did when we signed. We, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I, I think they
1: maybe had two people at the time. Yeah, yeah.
0: So strange to me.
1: Mm-hmm. But, no, yeah, it was pretty weird. And and we are kind of like didn't really know what to make of it. Um, like Tony had a call with me where he's like, tell me your favorite record label. And I was like, Discord Records, you know, Fugazi, like Q and not you, like Lungfish. I, yeah, it's clear to me, like Discord Records. Oh, I bet he, he called like, them,
0: he, I bet he called them losers instantly.
1: He was like, they mean nothing. Yeah, He's like, that's the past. That's over. Victory Records is now, the future.
0: Mm.
1: And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah. I just didn't even think that was a possibility of how somebody would like think about stuff. It didn't seem community to me, which is what I was interested. You know, Um, exactly. I didn't want to like beat my peers or be like bigger or better. I just wanted to be part of the community with like my own voice getting to say something. You know. Um, Sure.
0: Well, you guys. I mean, there wasn't success out of the gate at all. But you know, you worked a year. you, You but you worked hard and you did a lot of tours. And you know, I think the friendships that you'd made earlier. Paid off because you were on a lot of tours, and yeah. you ended up, you know, taking notice. And then all of a sudden, understanding a car crash is on MTV, and that was a wild moment—not just for you guys, I bet, but honestly for all of us to see that song on on, on like the most mainstream outlet there there is. That was a yeah. really big, like, a huge moment that doesn't get talked about a lot. You know when people want to bring up the history of emo or whatever, you know?
1: Yeah, it was, it was a pretty crazy breakthrough and, and it was like, you know, it it was, it was very unexpected since we spent eight months, you know, with the label talking about dropping us and like, nobody cared about our records. And, you know, it was just kind of like, so it was sort of out of nowhere. We were on tour saves the day. And this, there's this huge, like the song just broke through. And by the end of the tour, like literally in, in a couple of weeks, everybody knew every word to every song and like, you know, it was just a complete overnight transformation. We had been working really hard and like really being on the road, but it, but the success didn't come gradually. It came, it came all at once. And so like by the end of that tour, we were booking our own headlining tour for places twice as big as we had just been on a one of four, you know, we were one of four with saves the day. And now we're about to headline places twice as big and and our booking agents, like you're going to sell every single date out. And I just like, I didn't even know what to think about that because it just seemed so foreign, you know? And, and then immediately victory was, was messing with us and just kind of nagging us, which I didn't even understand was a concept at the time. Like I didn't understand that somebody could be negative towards you, but not hate you and want to get rid of you. It was just sort of like a control thing, I think. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, and so as soon as you guys gave that demo, to victory, they immediately started telling us that they didn't need us anymore, that we weren't important, that they had, like, the better Thursday from Canada. No way, really? Yeah, yeah. And, like, I think it got in our heads a little bit, but I think we were also, like, you know, like, probably just smart enough to be, like, Silverstein sounds more like grade than, like, like, they don't really sound like us. Like, I get what he's saying. It could fill the same slot, but it's, like, not their fault that he's, like, trying to make us feel bad with them. You know what I mean? It was like a weird thing, but it was sort of like, yeah, it doesn't have anything to do with those dudes. You know what I mean? That's crazy. No, I had no idea that that was
0: ever a a conversation or a threat or anything. I mean, we we had the same... You know, I I went through the same motions that you went through, you know, hitting up bands that were on the label and being like, hey, we're label mates. And like, you know, I never heard of Taking Back Sunday before and and Victory Mm -hmm. sent me their CD and I was like, this is fucking good. And like, Mm -hmm. I I would love to like tour with these. And then, of course, they blew up and then that wasn't a a possibility. But, you know, we were we were trying to tour with you guys and Atreyu and and I mean, every band on the label. And we never, ever toured with any of those bands because Nobody yeah. wanted to help out Tony. Right. That well, was, more and what it was. He was,
1: you know, one week he's like, you have to take them on tour, which is like, that's the wrong approach. You have to. Right. Cause it's like, well, yeah. I don't have to do anything. He's like, if you're in a band, that's your response. To somebody telling you, you have to do something. It's like, I don't have to do anything. <laughs> and then his second <laughs> approach would be like, because they're better than you. And I'm going to make them more famous than you. And you're like, Oh, screw you. Wow. <laughs> you know what I mean, like screw you. I don't want to help you or your bands. Wow. And, uh, Yeah, it's it's unfortunate because I think like, you know, there's a lot of people that should be friends from that era. You know what I mean? Like it took. Yeah. Even like the Taking Back Sunday guys who I was already friends with, it got weird because we were both on this label and he's trying to play us against each other. You know, it's just it's just it got really weird. All of that stuff. Um, It's crazy. But I'm glad that like we all seem to have gotten through it okay with our heads intact and we're all buddies still and it's like you know what i mean it's like it's all good like it didn't get to us it didn't like break us down or anything you know so
0: no and we you know we all got out you guys got out pretty soon real fast uh which is kind of incredible when i look at at you know we did we did four albums we completed our whole contract and yeah trey was on the label for a long time too and they wanted to get out and i read that you guys had you guys could get out if you signed to a major that was, that was your, the loophole. That, that was, was the loophole in our contract. What yeah. a weird loophole.
1: It was uh so like there's a thing that we learned then, which is that like if a contract is badly written, if it's ambiguous, then the the room to move on it goes against the person who wrote the contract. Okay. So it was ambiguous that said, like, you know, basically like unless you go to a major label was sort of an ambiguous thing. It wasn't explicitly said. I don't think it was meant to be in there in that way. I think it was meant to say we could sell you to a major label but because it was written very like loosely around that. We were able to kind of, we were able to kind of, you know, get get away with going instead of being sold because he was in the process of selling the whole label at the time. Right. And we didn't want to end up where he was selling. Right. This. That was
0: the, the MCA well, thing, right. That, that, exactly. was, that yeah, never, exactly. never shook out, but.
1: It did. I think, I think it shook out and then it like, and then it weirdly fell through after the fact is, is my impression. That right. that it, it, yeah. yeah. That it did actually go through. And then before all the payments were made, it was like a, a blow up happened, which, you know, I can see
0: how that might happen. I guess. Oh, absolutely. If you, if you know anything about Tony, uh, but the so so this is like I'm just trying to get into your into your your psyche and your mindset here, and I, I want sure. to talk about that too because you've been through so much. But so all of a sudden, you know, you're one of four opening for your buddy Saves the Day that you literally know from yeah. your own basement. Yeah. You know. Then you have all of a sudden, pretty much overnight, you have a song blowing out, uh, up on MTV. You're playing 1500 cap rooms, selling them out. And mm-hmm. now you're signed to a major label. And I read this thing and I, and I never heard this before. So don't I don't want you to think that I heard this before, but people called you Tone Jeff. You oh, know, yeah. you weren't oh, geez, super yes. comfortable as a singer. You didn't feel like you were really a singer. You were kind of like this kid that was really into this community and into this scene. And you really cared about it. And now you're put on this place where it's like, OK, now you, you, you have to be a rock star now and you don't have a choice. You have to do yeah. these things. And, and I just that must have been so incredibly
1: uh, difficult, um, scary for you. Oh, yeah, it was, you know, basically like basically I think there was sort of a sense for me like, yeah, we're going to get out of this victory thing, which is going south like real fast And we're going to end up somewhere where they appreciate us, you know, which is what every label clearly seems like they really appreciate you when they're like, Oh, this band's going to be huge. Like I really want to sign them. So I was like, they get what we do. They appreciate us. But you know, it became a thing that's like, well, now you have a chance to actually be like one of the biggest bands in the world. And like, it's going that way, you know, like this record's heading towards gold very, very quickly on like a, a a little tiny indie that's never sold even a hundred thousand records before, and yep. you know you guys are a phenomenon like at the time bands from our scene didn't didn't get as big as thursday was getting like it was really it was really phenomenon at the time you know afterwards like sure we've had tons of huge bands come out of our scene but like at the time this was sort of like what is happening yes so um so suddenly you know that it is like but you need to be able to sing And it's like, well, I I sing, I, you know, I do my thing. And it's like, yeah, but you're tone deaf, you know, you're tone Jeff. You're, you don't, you can't sing. And that was like, oh, you're going to try and change me. Like, you're going to try. You're going to try and make me into something that I'm not. And like, actually my band probably wants me to be able to sing better. Like actually maybe everybody wants me to sing better. And like, maybe even I want to be able to sing better, but you know, wanting it doesn't necessarily make it possible. So it was, uh, it was scary. And they gave, they got me a vocal coach who was like, you know, probably $250 a session, like twice a week or something crazy. Um, and he had five, he had five students. It was me, my hero, PJ Harvey, who was who I wanted to sing like my whole life. Um, Bono, (laughs) Oh my God. Christina, Christina Aguilera, and Mick Jagger were his <laughs> other students. Wow! And so, like, I would be struggling with something. He'd be like, "You're my only student that can't get this." And oh I'd my! I think, think, like, well, yeah, yeah. Christina like, Aguilera is one of them. <laughs> yeah, like, what do you expect, man? Like, like, I can't get something that Bono can get. Like, oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> you know? But, uh, but you know. I tried and like, I was singing better, you know, on world of time, I sang a lot better than I sang on full collapse and, you know, but I was singing higher and that was a lot harder for me to hit on tour, which was like, so it it became like a whole different, I, I basically traded out my issues, which is that the newer songs, I could sing better, but the newer songs were harder to sing live. So I was singing worse live. And then like we played Conan On Thanksgiving, which is like that's the biggest show you can play on Thanksgiving. It's like Conan O'Brien, and we had just done like nine months of touring, and my voice was completely shot, completely shot. Like I couldn't sing at all, and it was like we played our ballad, we played what was going to be our second single, War, all the time, and like I just couldn't, I couldn't sing. You know what I mean? It was like yeah, painful. It was like a painful thing for me to be stuck in that situation where it was all being decided for me and I had to go out there and sing something that I could not sing because I was so exhausted. Um, and that was really tough, man. That was really, it really did some psychological damage. Um, mm. And from that point forward, I, I started trying to break up the band over and over and over again. Um, and it was really tough you know, cause I love the band. It was like the best thing I've ever done in my life. And I love those guys, but I just couldn't handle an expectation on me. That was something that I probably would never reach. And was something that like, it was not one of my dreams was not to be like the next big famous singer who could sing perfectly it was never one of my dreams. Like I had already gone farther than my dreams. I had already gotten bigger than like lifetime or yeah. whatever. Yeah, And that was, to me was like, what, <laughs> you know, I, all these other dreams that everybody else has, these aren't my dreams and I don't know what to do with them. And that was really tough. Uh,
0: Yeah, that was really tough. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. No, I mean, she's the TV performance is such a, (laughs) uh, nobody does well. It's, it's really hard. It's, you know, everything is super unnatural. And then like a lot of times it's like happens at a weird time. Like if you do the Uh morning ones, like forget that. But even if it's not, then like still like no one sounds good on TV. No one does, yeah. you know, and then some rant, like it's, it's, even if you have someone mixing it, they still
1: like you're have, not their allowed own. To have monitors as a singer, you know what it's like, yeah. it's like you're not allowed to have a monitor because it, it shows up the monitor itself messes up the audio for TV. So it's like, well, how am I supposed to sing myself? It's like, use your in-ears. I don't have in-ears. Uh, I don't know what yeah. to do. You know, Jeez. it was really scary. Uh, uh,
0: man. Well, that's crazy i mean yeah you know you say you say uh, i tried to break up the band over and over again and mm-hmm. you guys did sort of seemingly fall into this place where yeah you, you guys did seem to kind of come and go a little bit over the time like i wasn't sure like oh i heard they're breaking up oh they did break up oh well they're back together while well, they're doing this you know it was it, from a, a, a an outsider but also like a a, a peer of yours it was confusing Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I know that you started dealing with addiction, um, Mm -hmm. and heroin and everything, which I Mm -hmm. heard, heard rumblings about from friends, Mm -hmm. mutual friends of ours saying they're worried about you, but I didn't know if I believed it. Um, but it seems like that it led all this pressure led you down a really dark path.
1: Yeah. I mean, there was, you know, it wasn't just the band. There was like a lot of other stuff going on, obviously. Like, you know, we all end up having to have lives inside the confines of like being gone 10 months a year. And, um, you know, and like I let a lot of the other parts of my life just sort of blow up because the band was in the way of all of it. And, um, and yeah, and just, I stopped enjoying being in a band because like, I, I, there was never going to be a good enough for me. There was never going to be like a point where I could get off stage and feel good about the show because like, I just wasn't able to sing to the level that people expected me to be able to. Well, it's like any growth that I had, which was a lot, like between that time period, like I got to be a much better singer, but it just wasn't ever enough, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And, and so it was like, there was, I didn't have a really like my life outside the band was kind of disappearing and my life inside the band was like only frustration and kind of like depression and feeling like not good enough. And I think it really like, I think those like later records are really good and really interesting. And I think like the band wrote really amazing music, but I think you can definitely see me turning in a really dark direction and just being like, going from sad songs to just like totally self hating, like, you know what I mean? Just really like a really dark turn from like sort of innocent kind of sad music, like the early records to kind of like a really dark place. And and I think it was like when the band broke up, it was like, well, you know, at least I didn't die out on the road or something, which is where it was probably going to head because I just couldn't handle it. You know? Um, And then, and then like the band getting back together and, and me getting sober was like a huge, uh, positive thing. And like, it was beautiful. And like, the band was playing better and I was singing all of a sudden I could sing all these songs. And (laughs) it was just one of those things that like all the pressure was off. Like the band had already broken, broken up and not been like the next Nirvana or whatever. Everybody wanted us to be like way back. And it, instead, like, we had left our own mark, you know, and, like, I had, like, I had, like, found and produced the first, like, My Chemical Romance record. And, like, I had I had kind of, like, a different career than the one that I w- maybe expected and the, uh, different than the ones that other people wanted for me. But suddenly, like, I was like, oh, I'm proud of this, actually. Like, I don't feel like I I screwed up. Like, I feel like I did my part to have something new to say in the conversation and that's that's enough for me you know that's what i want and suddenly oh, i could sing all these songs right and suddenly like everybody liked our band again where had, like the last few records of our career if you remember from being like you know sort of like contemporaries like people stopped coming to see our shows and people stopped buying our records like it got really like you know and people could tell it was too dark and it was like right a bad situation and then suddenly like when i was like sober and out there touring and like feeling good and happy like all of a sudden it's like, you know, it's like when Full Collapse came out, like everybody's coming to see us, we're selling out two nights in every city and it's like, it was like pretty good again, you know? So cool. like, I felt awesome. really lucky um, that I made it out the other side. And like, I don't expect it to always be like that or anything, you know, it's like renaissance is come and go just like popularity does. But um, but it was a really positive thing for me to just sort of get to enjoy enjoy it a little bit for once for in my sure. life you well that's know?
0: that's the thing and and you know i turned turned 42 days ago it's a big milestone and everyone's like oh you know like half the people were like oh my god you're like doing so well and you look so great and other people were like you're fucking old wow <laughs> you know and it's and it's like yeah i am old and and maybe i'm not in as you know as good shape as i used to be and i've got a lot of gray in my beard and and you know wrinkles on my face and all that but you develop you you get a little more comfortable in your in your own skin, yeah. you know, as you get older, and mm-hmm. it's it's it isn't quite the same as confidence. I don't I don't really know how to explain it. It's sort of confidence, but it's different. And there's a weird acceptance that you've sort of like moved on from your youth, and now mm-hmm. you've taken all that, and you are your you are kind of your own man now. And I I really like that you that you figured that out, and it's it's really interesting from my perspective especially like when you talk about oh uh you know what tony said about oh we've got this new van from canada and they're like you guys but better and this guy can fucking actually sing or whatever like whatever he said right that was definitely said yeah right like this kind of stuff is is funny to me because we we were we were shit talked the other way we were like oh they're just a thursday ripoff, you know and and oh they're just like this is just repackaged Thursday because victory had success on this. So they've found another band and, and like with all due respect, I, you know, I hadn't heard full collapse when I, you know, when we were making those songs, like I hadn't heard them yet. So there, it wasn't the case. We, you know, so I was mad or whatever. Right. And at the same time, I, I, you know, once I learned about your band and I really looked up to you guys and I looked up to you as this guy that, you know, everyone admired and you, you know, you were this kid from New Jersey and you put on these shows and you know, yeah, you found my chemical romance and, and all this stuff. And I never expected you to be, you guys to be the next Nirvana or anything. You, you were doing your own thing, but it's so yes. funny how, you know, you get, everyone gets, gets in their own head about yeah. what everyone's saying or what they're hearing or negativity. And then you kind of forget your own path and what you've done and your own successes, which now you've realized, and yeah. it's a really beautiful thing. And I, I love that that seemingly you've manifested success and and positivity through your own personal success <laughs> and positivity, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it's, Maybe? it's really. I don't want to get too, you know, capitalist critique. I can save that for some other podcast. As, <laughs> but I do think that we have trouble in our current society letting different voices coexist and be communal because we understand things best in like a ranking system who's the best who's number one who's number two who's number three who could you know what i mean and like and i think like that really manifests itself in the arts like people try and say who's best who's next who's ripping off who's this who's that and it's really, really, and really enjoy turning us on each other and like really want to provoke a, you know, what do you think about this? This person said this, what do you think about this kind of, you know what I mean? That kind of like, what can I say to get them to be like, no, fuck them then if they said that, you know what I mean? And then it starts to chain reaction. It's like you can make headlines about it and then people can understand they don't like each other or whatever. Um, And it's such a shame because, you know, the best experiences that I've ever had are when I'm helping other artists to find themselves and like that's you know what i was lucky enough to do with my chemical romance i was lucky enough to have a hand in that with touche amore yeah and like you know in a handful of other bands and like when you can help somebody see how special and unique they are and then they like blossom out from it and become become not bigger you know not more successful than you saw but they become something beyond your vision for them because they are truly unique it's like a really wonderful feeling you know because that's something that like you get to help give the world was like another give another artist their voice and like you know they'll save people's lives like i i believe that you know like art has saved my life over and over again so like you know, being a part of that chain and seeing like all of us together, you know, working, working to make something special, um, for the world, uh, is, is that's the part that like, I've gotten to really, really, really love and just feel so thankful for this, this whole life that I've had is like getting to be a part of that and getting to have like friendships, like I've made with all these people along the way and, you know, like friends with people like you who, who, who others have tried to, Turn me against you, you know, and say like, "Oh, he's the guy that can sing and should have my job." Like, screw him, right? Um, <laughs> so funny, but like instead we get to like laugh about it all now. You yeah. know, I and mean? that's the beauty in, in getting to be forty and like and having survived. <laughs> you know, no,
0: no, I know, I know, one hundred percent, man. That's that's a beautiful thing. I'm I'm really glad that you're you've come out on the other side and, and that you're doing so well. Um, I want to nerd out on that's you funny. for I want to nerd out on you for one second. So one of my favorite records that's ever existed ever put out pressed on vinyl is the thursday envy split oh yeah i absolutely love that record and i really want to know the story behind it um obviously like (laughs) envy for people that don't know they're from japan they sing in japanese they don't really sing actually they they either scream or talk and they're super experimental in a lot of ways, they're they're super hard to describe. They have beautiful, like, clean parts, but then they also have spastic, like, almost, like, power violence parts. It's it's really, Definitely. really yeah. an interesting band. And then you made this split with them, I don't know, mm-hmm. what, 10, more than 10 years ago? 10, 12 years ago? Yeah, more than 10 years ago, yeah. And it's awesome. And I just want to <laughs> know how that happened. Because you guys did a song together, right?
1: As well? Yeah, so the way that it came about is kind of funny. Like... I was really into Envy. And like Envy had done maybe around the time of their first record, they had done a split when they were just a thrash band. They weren't yet experimental. Mm-hmm. They were like a straight up thrashy power violent band in the nineties. They hadn't done a lot, but they did a split with a New Brunswick band um, called Endeavor. Oh, and yeah. yeah. And so I was aware of them because of that split. I wasn't like, I love Envy. I was like, fucking cool Japanese thrash band, you know, like they're cool, whatever. Didn't think about them until uh, I heard that they had done a record on level plane, which was, you know, Seisha and all these other great bands on level plane. And I was like, huh, I didn't really think of them as a level plane band. And then I heard all the footprints and I was like, what, this is amazing. Like, I love this band. And then somebody told me, Oh, they're about to put out an even better one on temporary residence. Yeah. And so When I heard a dead sinking story, I was like, yes, you know, this is it. This is like, cause I kept trying to push there's, you know, I was starting to think already in terms of the first United Nations record. And after war all the time, I thought we could be like fast, thrashy power violence with like these big, beautiful, like lush cure parts in, in between and and the rest of my band was like you're insane. You're insane, but then when the, the envy record came out, they were like, "Oh, I I guess I can kind of see what you mean. You know, I don't think that's <laughs> necessarily for us, but like this band's awesome." So, I was just really into them and they were finally playing New York and we were home and it was the temporary residence like I think it was their 10 year anniversary as a label showcase and they were sort of famous at the time for having found explosions in the sky and put out explosions in the sky. Yeah. And so they did like a, a three night thing in, in New York and I got tickets for the envy show and I went and they were amazing. And the guy who owned the label, Jeremy, he had said something in between bands. He had said like, thank you for coming out. Like it means a lot, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And afterwards everybody's leaving and I was looking at the merch and I noticed that he wasn't leaving. He picked up a broom and started sweeping up the club like helping the staff clean the club after the show which I was like oh he's like he's like us you know what I mean like he's like this is a, a group effort and and if there are people that are cleaning the floor because of my showcase I'm going to try and help them you know and I was just like that's awesome I'm going to go say hi to that guy and tell him how great I think his label is and how thankful I am that somebody put out this envy record and I'm going to offer him to help in any way that I can if it's to to take them on tour or whatever, you know? Sure. So I'm talking to him for a few minutes. He's super friendly and he's kind of, he's not, he's clearly very tired and sort of like, who is this guy? You know, like, and (laughs) I'm like, yeah, you, you know, I could give you my number if you ever need any help with envy. And he was like, Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, sure. What's the name of your band? And I was like, Oh, it's called Thursday, like the day of the week. (laughs) <laughs> and he's totally dead silent and he's just sweeping the floor and after a minute he's like you know there's already like a pretty big band called Thursday <laughs> 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 which I <thought> was <laughs> the most genius thing that I was like oh yeah that's my band he's like oh you're kidding me he's like your band is huge like would you really want to do something with Envy And I was like, yeah, I love them. They're amazing. You know, whatever I can do, like tell me. And we kept trying to get the tour together for like maybe two years. And then finally uh, we were off the major label and uh, he was like, what about a split? And yeah, that's how it, it, that's how it happens. It it was really cool. It's one of my, after like the two records that everybody loves, it's one of my proudest things we've ever done, is that we got to do that split. Yeah, um
0: I love it. Thank you for the story. That's <laughs> Sorry Man, it was that's- so long. No, no, no. It was worth it. But- the, just, just, just a lo- just for the guy sweeping the floor. <laughs> Insane. Like I just have this vivid image in my mind of that. <laughs> Like, I don't know what
1: the guy looks like, but I, uh, but I do, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And he's the best man. That label, I give them so much love and respect. Like he's really grown that label into something super special and he's done it one step at a time. You know, he's never taken the easy way that could have gotten his label much bigger. He's really been patient with it and he's, he's awesome. We did, we did two United Nations releases with him and he's just awesome. 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 Yeah. So, um, well, Hey, I won't take up too much of your time. I,
0: we got to shout out velocity records right now. Um, you guys signed to, to velocity records. Who's coming in hot with a whole bunch of new, um, uh, signing a whole bunch of bands. This is, uh, Dave Shapiro, who's booked Silverstein forever. I've known, I've known him forever. I mean, he was in a victory band too. count the stars back in the day, uh, which is crazy. Victory alumni. Um, talk to me about that. Like you, you have some stuff coming out. Can we expect some new Thursday music finally?
1: (laughs) Uh, not yet. (laughs) Not yet. That's not part of the plan yet. Um, you know, I mean, there was a moment where we thought we would start seeing what would happen and then COVID hit and it really, it really screwed everything up um, for us just because we were at a place where we were ready to stop touring and to spend a little more time at home. And we were like, maybe we could see, you know, yeah. before we had to get jobs and stuff. Maybe we could see if there was like time for like a, a, a later chapter. And uh, and really like because we've all been isolated and not been able to get together. And some of us, you know, live in different states and stuff. It really screwed that up. And so some of the guys have had to sort of commit to their next, like, little bit of the chapter in their lives. I'm not saying it'll never happen, but it really did screw it up. And um, yeah. that's been a bum out for me. Because I was hoping to, like, sort of sneak out some new music, maybe, with Thursday, sort of like nobody saw it coming. <laughs> um, and now it's just like, oh, uh, I don't know that's going to happen. That's not going to happen. That's not happening so far, you know? Right. Well, the longer, um,
0: the longer it goes do you feel more pressure? Like, is it, does it get harder? Cause it's been a long time.
1: It's been over a decade since we've written new Thursday music. Yeah. Is that making it, um, that must make it tougher. It just makes it weirder because Thursday was a chemistry band and it used to be that like, no matter how weird the ideas that we had for writing were, you know, sometimes we just stick together 30 parts and call it a song. Like there was no chorus. There's no, you know, it's just like, Mm -hmm. whatever and it would just work because we were so in sync with each other. You know what I mean? Like we spent all our time together. We were always on stage together. Like, you know, we did like over 300 shows in, in some years. It's like, that's insane. You know what I mean? Um, so we would just like, whatever it was, no matter how weird it was, it would just work because we were so, so good together. And now it's like, it's just been so long since we've had that kind of connection that it's, it's hard to say what it'll be like if, if we're able to pull something new out. So it's not so much pressure. It's just like, I just don't know. I don't know if it would work, you know, like maybe it will, maybe it won't. (laughs) Um, but I, you know, our only rule for each other is like the only way we'd ever release music again is if it was awesome. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's like, no, no point in releasing something that sucks. Like, like we're not going to be like road dogs again. We're not going to be like, trying to chase like chart success again or something you know what i mean like the only reason is like it's so good people got to hear how good this music is you know it's like why else would we do it at that point um but you know those guys are so talented that i think like if we ever do get a chance to write again like probably something cool will come out of it but it's just yeah it's gotten a little bit ridiculous how long it's been since we've released music um but you know, I've got a new record coming out on Velocity for No Devotion. Yeah, um, I think it's probably it's probably some of the best stuff I've ever done in my life. And awesome. I hate saying that because everybody says that every new record. But man, it is—it's <laughs> so good. Like I find it. I find myself really like, I just want it to come out cause it's so fucking good. It's so good. It makes me so happy cause it's really sad. It's extremely sad. It's like a really, really sad record, but it's not hopeless and it's not like self hating dark. Like I was getting towards the end. It's like a really beautiful, sad, pretty record. And um, I'm really excited for that to come out on velocity too. And the stuff that's coming out from Thursday on velocity is, is, is really cool. I'm really psyched about it. Um, and I think like our die, our diehard fans will really love it. It's not going to, it's not going to win any new fans over. It's definitely for our fans. Um, yes. Well, yeah. So with yeah. the, with the new, with the no devotion and stuff, I mean,
0: obviously, yeah. you know, you talk about COVID putting a damper on Thursday's plans, Mm -hmm. How are you, how are you working on music with those guys? I mean, being that they're from, uh, from, from Wales.
1: Yeah. So we finished like right before, I mean, that's just getting done. And like when I'm like, I just really wanted to come out. It's cause we finished to have it ready. We should have been on tour all of 2020 basically. Oh yeah. That's like, it's been done and it's so sick and I'm so proud of it. And like, even when I was on my last few Thursday shows, like with my cam and stuff, like I, they had already heard the record and were like, damn, dude, this is pretty good. Like you're singing, you're singing really good. Like this sounds awesome. Um, so I'm pretty, I'm pretty amped about it. And I think like even the people who didn't really get into the first no devotion record, um, we're re-releasing that too. So like I think I just think it's it's kind of that band's time right now. I'm really excited about it. So awesome. Yeah. Awesome. That's good. I can it's barely great contain my excitement. No, I know. I, I
0: can hear it in your voice so much. Like you're getting all giddy with this and that's, um that's amazing. So do, do you have a release date for that? I didn't see um, if there was one.
1: No, there's one song that we decided to rework. So, um so like, I don't think it'll be held back too much because of COVID, but, but, um but we're going to finish. We're going to sort of basically one of the songs, like the way that band works, we'll sort of do a bunch of different versions of a song. Like, what's the ballad version of the song? Like, what's the banger version? What's the heavy version of the song? Oh yeah! And like at the last minute we realized, Oh, if this was like, if this one song was like beachy and slow and sounded like, kind of like a washed out memory, like, Oh, we should do it like that.
0: <laughs> nice. And, and, um, just to, to wrap up your other projects you're doing, are you, you're doing some writing too. I, I read that you're, uh creative writing
1: or or what oh I, yeah what, what's up with that i've been working on something i've been working on something for i've got I, yeah i've been not kind of getting into too much but i've been working on something writing wise that um that i that is it's been a lot of work it's been a, <laughs> i've been putting a lot of time and work into it like secretly over the last four years i've been kind of like working on it non-stop so um so every time I hear like Joyce Carol Oates on a podcast talking about writing two novels a year, I'm like, you're insane. How do you do that? <laughs> um, but I guess, you know, it's sometimes I think of like, you know, writing as a sort of second language that comes after songwriting because songwriting, I, I really love it. And I think I'm, a, I think I do a very good job. As, as much as I have a challenge with singing, I'm an, a natural lyricist and I love writing song lyrics, but awesome. that being said, it's a totally different set of skills when you're writing something longer. Cause I feel like the limitation of the length of songs is a huge help for me. Yeah. You know, having to cram it in and take things apart and rework them until they fit inside three or four minutes is like a, it's a beautiful limitation. And, and I always loved like Fugazi, not having effects and stuff. It's like limitations are your friends in art they really help you know
0: um, absolutely well hopefully we hear some news about that project soon i mean if, you, if you're spending so that much, you.
1: if you're spending that much time
0: on it i i hope it amounts to you know i hope i hope <laughs> you know I, I hope it doesn't just dwell uh in, in you know in your own head or in your own um in your own uh, manuscript you know i i, I would love yeah. to to see what that's all about so that's um, cool thanks Shane. that's cool yeah. man well, dude, uh, what else to tell the people? Anything else we missed uh, or any anything else to plug?
1: No, uh, um, not really. I mean, I'm just so thrilled to be talking to you, man. And, and uh, thanks for having me on. I'm glad we finally got it together. It's so cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's funny. I just, I have this, I've had this huge smile on my face just just reminiscing about the old times and then hearing these stories that I didn't even know about, about myself. It's just wild. But but um, I just love this conversation so much. Thank you. Yes,
1: it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Shane. Take right, care. Man.
0: Until next time, man. Sounds good. Thanks, buddy. So there it is with Jeff. I absolutely loved every second of that conversation. I want to thank him so much for doing it. Finally, long overdue. And it looks like no devotions gonna have some stuff coming out real soon. That's exciting. Keep your ear to the ground for all that news. Maybe we'll get some more Thursday stuff. Probably some shows, I don't know, but can't wait to find out. Next week, I'll be back with another great episode and don't forget. Tuesdays 3 pm. Eastern. I'm on Twitch. twitch.tv. Slash Shane told. I will have on Andy Sizek of all of his great projects. The guy's awesome. What a singer. That's free. That's live. So check it out. Wednesday, I'll be on with Mike Howell discussing the top five new releases and big week for music this week and next week. Make sure you check it out on Friday. We talk about architects and no effects, putting out new albums. So that's on the podcast feed. Just Scroll down or up and you'll see all these these episodes. We still don't have a name for our new show, but we'll figure something out. Regardless, it's a lot of fun talking to Mike and I guarantee you, you will find out about some great new music that you didn't otherwise know. So check that out too. All right, I'm going to leave you with a tune. I played Understanding in a Car Crash as the little intro song. Of course, everybody knows that. But I want to play you one you might have missed that I love. This is the first track from the Thursday Envy Split. I think Thursday put it out again on another record, but I like this version more. It's called As He Climbed the Dark Mountain. Here it is, Thursday, on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love, and I'll see you next time.